episode number 83. But the problem is that each group thinks that they're the best and wants to get rid of the other group. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Vayechi, being Jewish, a race or a religion. We're going to have a powerful parable about shooting arrows, a great story about Rav Nisim Avram Ashkenazi, and peace in your home, a woman's wisdom. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. Verse 48.3 says like this, Jacob said to Yosef, and appeared to me in Luz, in the land of Canaan, and he blessed me. He said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a congregation of peoples. It's a congregation of peoples. And I will give you this land to your offspring after you as an eternal holding. And verse 13 starts out like this. Yosef took the two of them, Ephraim with his right hand, to Yisrael's left, and Menashe with his left hand to Yisrael's right, and he drew close to him. But Yisrael extended his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger one, and his left hand on Menashe's head. He moved his hands with intelligence, for Menashe was the firstborn. He blessed Yosef and he said, O God, before whom my forefathers Avraham and Yitzchak walked, God, who shepherds me from the day of my conception until this day, may the angel who redeems me from evil bless the lads, and may my name be declared upon them, and the names of our forefathers, Avraham Yitzchak, and may they reproduce abundantly of fish within the land. Yosef saw that his father was placing his right hand in Ephraim's head, and it displeased him. So he supported his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Yosef says to his father, Not so, father, for this is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused, saying, I know, my son, I know. He too will be a great people, and he too will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring's fame will fill the nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, But you shall Yisrael bless, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and like Manasseh, and he put Ephraim before Manasseh. So we see here that Yaakov switched the natural order of things, and he put Ephraim first. Real Manasseh should be first because he's the firstborn. But before that, we have a question. What does it mean, a congregation of peoples? The concept sounds a little bit strange. It should be one people. What do you mean a congregation, many different congregations of peoples? So Rav Moshe Sternbuch tells a story that one time a bunch of German intellectuals got together in Berlin to discuss the true nature and identity of the Jewish people. The question was, is Judaism simply a religion like any other? But that didn't seem to be true because there was many Jews who didn't practice a religion and they're still considered Jewish. Elamai, rather you tell me it's really a nation with a common ethnic heritage and a history. But we see that converts can convert to Judaism and become Jews like any other Jew. So it's very confusing. What is a Jew exactly? So during this whole meeting, there was one elderly Jew from Poland. 
and he was getting frustrated. He felt the meeting was going nowhere because they couldn't figure out what a Jew was. Finally, he couldn't restrain himself anymore, and he screamed out, A yid is a yid, and he walked out of the room. A Jew is a Jew, he doesn't really have a definition. So the Rav there explained that what he said was correct. And we see this from this verse. It says, a congregation of nations. The Jewish people cannot be limited to a single definition. Rather, we are a multifaceted entity made up of the descendants of Shvatim, tribes, and converts. All of them belong to the Jewish people. And we know, is the truth is, it's very confusing. There's Ashkenazi Jews, there's Polish Jews, Russian Jews, Hungarian Jews, Svarti Jews, Spanish Jews, Jews from Portugal, Turkish Jews, Yemenites, Syrian Jews, Bukharim, Italian Jews. So what puts them all together? So Sternbach wants to explain that we can learn from the blessing of Yaakov, that he blessed both Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh, we know, was the firstborn, and he was involved with politics. And he was out there in the world. And Ephraim, on the other hand, was involved in learning Torah. And it was these two different types of Jews that make up the Jewish people. One who's out in the world, involved in Parnassah, making money, and politics, leadership. And Ephraim, on the other hand, was involved in spirituality and spiritual leadership. But in the end of the day, Yaakov blessed Ephraim that he should be the first priority, that spirituality should come first, and after that worldly. But they have to work together. If they don't work together, it's not going to work. And Rav Miller from Gateshead quotes the Svas Emes on this verse. The verse says, All these were the twelve tribes of Israel, and this was what their father said to them and blessed them. Each according to his blessings, he blessed them. Because right after this, we know that all the twelve tribes received blessings. So he wants to say this, this means the unity of the Jewish people. And there shouldn't be any discord among us. For tribes who believe in tribal gods, discord is the order of the day. In other words, if each tribe believes in its own thing, you're not going to have any kind of unity. As each struggles to assert its own supremacy. But this is not true with the tribes of Israel. Each tribe and each community in Israel may have special virtues and individual customs, and indeed Jacob gave different blessings to each of his sons. Yet as long as they recall there is one father of all of us, and one God who created us, they will feel a sense of harmony between man and his creator, and man and his fellow creature. Like the verse says, You are one, and your name is one, and who, like your people Yisrael, is one nation on earth? In other words, each tribe has its individuality. Svartic Jews have their own customs, and Ashkenazi Jews have their customs. But each group has to work together to serve the Creator. And if we work together, then we're going to have the unity to be successful. Those Jews who are out there making money should support spirituality. And those Jews who are focused on spirituality should give cover and honor to the people who support them. And that is the way the system is supposed to work. And Rav Shimshah Rafael Hirsch explains, and he quotes the verse that says, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a congregation of peoples. So he has the question, why is it that the adding of these two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, means that they're going to be fruitful and numerous? 
There already was 11 tribes. What's the difference? Two more tribes, 11 tribes, 12, 13. There's so many already. The answer is that each tribe has its own distinct quality. And that has to stay. He says like this. This people is to consist of diverse tribes of differing traits while maintaining their complete unity to one common task. They should represent an agricultural nation, a merchant nation, a warrior nation, and a nation of scholars. And as a model nation, it should demonstrate for all to see that one great mission common to all men and all nations, as revealed in God's Torah, does not depend on one particular vocation or trade, rather all of mankind with its rich diversity, can equally find its calling in the common mission, which is the service of God. The division of the nation into diverse tribes and the resulting division of the land into different providences for each different tribe, whose distinctiveness is thus retained. Without the division of diverse tribes and distinctiveness, all would be absorbed into one mass. And when we lose this concept that each individual with his strength has to contribute to the Jewish people to help them to serve God, that the Jewish people as a whole should serve God, each with their individual strengths. So the overall goal and the unity is his spirituality. And every Jew, whatever he does, should give himself over to that spirituality to help collectively to create the nation that serves God. But the problem is that each group thinks that they're the best and wants to get rid of the other group. And therefore, God always has to change things around. He says like this, you have many cases where the firstborn loses out and it's given to the secondborn. The firstborn always represents physical power. And after that, you have the spiritual, but Hashem keeps switching it around. It said you had kind behevel. So what happened? Cain was rejected. Okay, Cain killed Evel. His sacrifice was rejected. And you have Yishmael Yitzchak. Yishmael was the older one. But in the end, the tradition went to Yitzchak. Then you had Esav and Yaakov. Again, Esav was first. And Yaakov wound up being the Bechor. You also have Reuven and Yosef. Reuven was the Bechor. He lost his position to Yosef. Also, you had Moshe of Aaron. Aaron was the older one. But Moshe was a higher level of spirituality. And you had David and all of his brothers. David was the youngest of all the brothers, and he became king. He says, All of history, however, is nothing but the struggle of the material power against the divine spirit. Material power always imagines itself to be superior. But the truth is that it always becomes mastered. These, the power and the spirit, are the two crowns, according to Zechariah, that says, ultimately united in the Mashiach, we will be a Kohen Akisal. It will have both spirituality and political leadership. Throughout Jewish history, it should be taught that material power should be joined to the spiritual. But the reality does not yet correspond to the ideal. And Rev Schwab explains a similar idea. He said, in Yosef himself, there was both characteristics. He was both the Sadiq, the righteous person, he was also the political leader. But in his children, it came out separate. Ephraim 
was a spiritual leader, and Menashe was a political leader, two separate entities. And he brings the Targum Yonasan, who explains that at a bris mila, the father should give this blessing to his child. Why? So he wants to explain that the word mahu, which means the bris, but it also means blended. The sanctity of the neshama permeates his physical existence. Thus, at the time when the child's spiritual powers are synthesized with his physical being, we give him this blessing. To be both a person who is spiritually endowed and a practical leader. Even though the goal is spirituality. So the Chafetz Chaim explains that we see this relationship exemplified between Yisachar and Zavulim. It's called a Yisachar Zavulim relationship. He says, the creator, the source of all goodness and kindness, knew from the start it's impossible for an entire nation to be occupied with only Torah study. Therefore, the tribe of Yisachar and the tribe of Zavulim would be assigned complementary missions. Full-time learning was the desire of the tribe of Yisachar. We said that 200 heads of Sanhedrin came out of that tribe. And the tribe of Zavulim would be dwelling by the sea, engaged in trade and commerce, making it possible for Yisachar to be focused on learning. Like it says, the world is created only for Torah. Quotes the verse from Yirmiyahu, Were it not for my covenant day and night, I would have not have set up the laws of heaven and earth. And therefore Yisachar and Zavulim are considered pillars of the world. The Shulchan Ark says, that even if a man doesn't know how to learn Torah, or he's too preoccupied making a living, and it's very difficult for him to concentrate, he is obligated to provide material support to Torah learners, and when he does so, he's considered that he himself is learning Torah. So we see that each individual can keep his unique qualities and do the best that he can with them. And as a group, as a whole, we can all become together as the Jewish people, and be a nation that serves God, always with their individual strengths. And the Mabim explains that when Yaakov crossed hands, he put the higher hand on Menashe's head. Why? Because if he would have done the opposite and put the higher hand on Ephraim's head, the future generations would have thought that Ephraim is taking away from Menashe. He's siphoning off the spirituality away from Menashe. It's not true. Menashe has his own spirituality by giving physically to the Jewish people and supporting Torah scholars. That creates its own spirituality. They're two separate things. One doesn't take away from the other. So each one has to play their part. And Rav Moshe Sternberg brings a beautiful proof how each side should act. So he explains... Zavulun is happy when they go out, when they go out where? To the next world. They see that all the physicality, all the parnas, all the money they gave to yeshivas, gave them a portion in Torah also. And Yisachar is happy in his tent. What does that mean? It means somebody who's going to dedicate his life to Torah has to live a simple life. He has to be happy in his tent. Even though he's going to give away physical pleasures, he has to be happy with what he has physically and not try to hop more. But the question is, how do you figure out what side of the fence are you? Should you focus on spirituality? Or should you focus on giving tzedakah and helping the Jewish people that way? So the education in yeshivas is that everybody should become a tamachachim. Which might be true. A person has to push to see what's stopping him from learning, what's stopping him from concentrating.
Can he overcome his intellectual limitations? Can he sit and learn? Maybe it's an emotional problem. When I used to teach in Devar Yushalayim, I used to sit and have lunch with Rav Yo Schwartz. Rav Yo Schwartz is a Talmud of Chaim Shmuelovich, and he's the one who started the Nachal Haredi, the army for religious kids. And he used to say, what happened to the Balabas? What happened to, in history, we had people who were Balabatim. What does it mean, a Balabas? It means a guy who sits, the Ramam says, he learns nine hours a day, but basically he works. But he's a good Jew. Nowadays, all of a sudden, you walk out of the yeshiva, that's it. The guy's finished, doesn't exist, he's a bum. And that's how he feels about himself. So he explained to me, that's why he started the Nacha Haredi. Let these boys go to the army. They're not sitting in the yeshiva. They're not sitting in the yeshiva. What are they doing with their lives? Let them go help the Jewish people by being in the army. And he told me that even though the Gedolim knocked down the Nachal Haredi, because they don't want to think that yeshiva guys should go to the army, but he told me that they said to him, listen, privately, you should go forward. Because what do you do with all these kids that are on the street? So I asked him, I said, listen, maybe if these kids would spend more time in yeshiva, eventually they would come around, they'd work themselves out, and they would sit and learn, or become great Torah scholars. So he answered me, he said like this, if the boy can play chess, and we see that he's a conceptual thinker. So in the end, he could become a Torah scholar. But if he can't even play chess, how is he possibly going to become a Torah scholar? So you see, there's a thin line when a boy should stay in yeshiva and plug away, or when he should go out into the world. But either way, the point of this whole word is that each person has to contribute to the Jewish people and the spirituality of the Jewish people, which is the learning of the Torah. Each person has to contribute to that in their own way. And we see that Ephraim received the blessing on top of Manasseh, which means that the whole goal of the whole world is the learning of Torah and mitzvahs and keeping the Torah and perpetuating the Torah. But each individual has to find his place in that system on how to help. And if he helps in the right way, he also will receive his portion of the Torah. Here's a powerful parable. So the Chafetz Chaim brings down a mushroom in this week's Parsha. He said, one time there was a servant who was a faithful fighter against his enemies. And due to his love of the prince, the servant used to make his own arrows for battle. And he used to fight with these arrows. But one time the battle was raging, and he used the bow of his arrows. So he found his way to the prince, and he asked him, should I go search for other arrows of other people that they shot and use them against the enemy? So the prince yelled at him, What difference does it make whose arrows you shoot? Find arrows as fast as you can and use them to strike the enemy so we're going to win the war. So that was the Masha. What was the Nimshal? A man is constantly at war with his Yetar. And the children that he fathers and teaches to serve Hashem are like arrows, the verse says. Like arrows in the hand of the mighty warrior, so are the children of youth. So even if a man doesn't have his own children, he should support them to serve Hashem. Because when the war is won, the victory will still be attributed to him. So it doesn't matter. If your children are learning Torah, good, support them. But if your children are not learning Torah, support other people that are learning Torah. 
and this way you could support the best Torah scholars. But either way, supporting Torah scholars is the way to help the Jewish people win the war against the Eight Sahara, the evil inclination. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse said, Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So Rabbi Yitzchak Zilberstein brings down this story. There's a tombstone in Turkey that have these words engraved on it. The crown of our head, Moreno Rabbeinu, our Rebbe, our teacher, the embittered man, the scholar, Rav Nisim Avram Ashkenazi ben Rachel. So this Rav is the author of many famous Svarim, Torah books. So what does it mean that he was embittered? So in another save from the same time in the introduction, it explains what happened with this Rav. He said he was a tremendous Rav, holy and diligent, tremendous achievement to Torah. And what did it mean that he was embittered? He says his righteous wife gave birth to 18 children, and all of them, down to the last one, died during his lifetime. And despite his enormous grief, he did not turn into a sad person. It's an unbelievable story. How can it be funeral after funeral? This Rav stayed happy. And he stayed happy enough to have the peace of mind to continue his Torah learning and become a great scholar. It's only a person who has a muna, real faith in God, could withstand such a test. And he wants to say this is what it means to be alive. To be a living person, a person who's living a moon, a living faith. And what's the proof? He says the proof is from this verse. Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. 17 years is a long time, but the Torah does not speak about anything that happened with Yaakov during that period. It didn't speak about any tremendous spiritual growth that he had, which surely he had. And surely his service of Hashem was greater, but it didn't speak about it. Why? Because it passed in tranquility. That was in Egypt. It was only in Eretz Israel where he had to go through all this pain and suffering. He had the problem with Dina. His daughter was raped. The confrontation with Esav. All the tests that Yaakov had in Eretz Israel. So we learn from that that that's the real life. The real life that the Torah speaks about is the test that a person has to go through and the faith that he has to have to pass these tests. When everything's going smoothly, that's not called real life. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Rav Moshe Aaron explains that a woman understands her husband's character. What does he mean? He says, woman with a sharp, disconcerting eye that can detect whether people really have your chemai, really have fear of God. He brings a raya from a Gemara Nida where Rev Papa came across this woman and asked her if there's a Talmud Chacham in the town. She said to him, yeah, his name is Shmuel. And may it be your will that you should be like him. Rev Papa said, if she blesses me in this way, Shmuel must have true Yerud Shemayim. And he went to go visit him. So we see from this story that the woman recognized how much Yerud Shemayim, how much fear of God Rev Papa had. Another example 
was when Elisha came to visit Trinamis, she told her husband, this man is an Ishkadosh. And Chazal explains that a woman perceives who her guests are better than her husband. The Gemara and Brachos, 10b. So what happens? Sometimes in a break, he goes to the yeshiva, but he's goofing off. He's talking with his friends. He's not really learning. And then he comes home, and his wife senses, listen, what's with this guy? And he thinks he can fool her, but he can't, because the woman sees straight through him. A person who truly dwells in Torah has a certain chen, a certain light on his face. His mood and facial expressions reveal his inner reality. Like Rav Papa said, whoever has chen certainly has yir shemaim. Chain is translated like grace. The person, you see grace on the person's face. And the Marshall also says that a person has fear of God. You can see the chain, you can see the grace on his face. Like the verse says, All the peoples of the earth shall see the name of Hashem is called upon you, and they shall fear you. The Gemara Moed Katan says, Whoever studies Torah privately, his Torah advertises itself outside of him. They can see it on him. So one time, Raphael David Orbach, had a student in the yeshiva, who after he got married, he became very depressed. So he went to go speak to the student, and the student said, listen, I got married in order to be able to learn more. But every time I come home, my wife asks me something else. Come here, buy this, hang up the laundry, do this, do that. So he didn't know what to do. So Rev. Raphael took this student to the Chazanish, and the Chazanish heard the story, and he started to smile. And the Chazanish said, there are two who know whether you are sincere or not. The first is Hashem and the second is your wife. If your wife knows that you truly want to learn with no distractions, she'll be the first to help you. But I'm sure she sees you're not really sincere. Obviously, you sometimes waste time doing nothing. So she decides, why shouldn't you help me a little bit also? So the Chazanish told him, accept upon yourself not to waste a moment. What happened? They have raked did this, and the wife noticed. All of a sudden, she stopped asking him for all kinds of help. And the opposite, just the opposite. She helped him to learn even more. In the end, this avrek became a big tamachachim. We see the wife has the wisdom to see exactly who the husband is. If you want to have peace in your house, you have to shape yourself up. He says, sometimes a guy comes home. And he opens the Gemara, and what does he do? He puts a different book inside the Gemara, some kind of light reading. And he thinks he's tricking his family by learning Gemara. But they can see straight through him. He says, real Sadiqim, it's the opposite. It brings a beautiful story. One time, the Klosenberger Rebbe wanted to visit the Ger Rebbe, who was staying in the Gali Sant Hotel. So he sent the Bachur up first, and the Bachur put his ear on the door. And he heard the Ger Rebbe learning Gemara. But when the Klosenberger Rebbe knocked on the door and came in, he saw on the table a copy of the Hamodia newspaper. Real Siddiqui want to hide the fact that they're learning. They don't want to show off that they're learning even when they're not learning. The Klosenberger Rebbe said, Today I learned the true humility of a great Tamachachim. He tries to conceal his learning. What the Bachrim do? They take a safer and they put it inside of a Gemara to trick people. But the bottom line is, if you want to have peace in your house, you have to be a real Ebed Hashem. If you serve Hashem with all of your heart, that will bring the blessing that your wife will want to help you, won't be against you. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and please share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.